0: And I'm going to now call on uh, Brett Holmes to commence and report, uh, give the annual, uh, his annual report to conference. Thanks very much, Brett. Good morning, delegates. Um, we certainly will pay respect to uh, Coral, but I'd like to open by uh, welcoming all of you here to the 73rd annual conference and give my acknowledgement to the traditional custodians of the land we meet on today, the Borough Matigal people and their elders, past and present and emerging. This land is Aboriginal land and has never been ceded. So delegates, uh, I'm told that we have a year in review video that might be able to be played now. Delegates, it's been a quiet year, (coughs) not much happening. But no, seriously, delegates, and uh, I wanna make a special welcome as well uh, to our special guests from Global Nurses United. Uh, And you've heard earlier how important it is to work on a global basis and to be able to assist uh, in sharing our wins, uh, sharing our experiences, and of course, benefiting from international research and working together with unions across the world, uh, particularly nurses and midwives unions who have uh, all of the same interests that we have uh, to share. I'd like to uh, recognise the incredible work of Coral Levitt, our fearless leader, as president for the past 15 years, 16 now. She's pulled us all into line with such finesse over the years with an incredible sense of humour, and humble nature. Thank you so much for your service, Coral. I'll have a bit more to say in my wrap up at the end of the report. You may have noticed we've done away with folders this year. You can access the conference papers via guidebook app and Coral has explained that earlier to you. Um, I do uh, recommend uh, the report that is in writing for you. Of course, um, those that go home from tonight not yet tired, should pick up that report and have a good read. Um, (coughs) We'll test you on it tomorrow morning. So delegates, Sally McManus uh, talked about changing the rules. Um, We as a union movement must join together and of course build on the momentum that has already been provided. She talked about less than half of employed Australians now holding a permanent full-time paid job that has leave entitlements. That's our kids, that's our friends, our neighbours. They don't have the privileges that we have, and we must not allow that to continue. We need changes to industrial laws as a matter of urgency, both at the state level and the federal level. Our state public sector wages are capped at 2.5%, yet our claim for ratios to ensure safer staffing. The New South Wales government expected that the shortfall of nursing staff would have to come out of our own pockets if we were to pursue that through that industrial process. The exploitation from employers of rules around bargaining, fair wages and conditions is rife. We've seen it on a state level in the manipulation of the Public Health Award, and we've seen it on a federal level, where for-profit aged care providers are blatantly taking advantage of government funding to feed their profits, and then dodging the tax. This is absolutely a campaign we need to get behind. We're in desperate need of more secure jobs, the restoration of a strong, fair, and independent industrial umpire, a level playing field for bargaining, and a relevant modern, strong safety net for all workers. Delegates, I want to talk to you about electoral funding laws here in New South Wales. Our campaigns must be having a very big impact because in May, we learned of new New South Wales electoral funding laws that will affect the way we campaign around issues. As you know, the association is not politically aligned, but I can assure you the decision to overhaul electoral funding laws will further impact our democracy and the voice of workers everywhere in New South Wales. Under the new laws, third party campaigners, that's us, will have our spending capped at $500,000 from 1 October until the state election. When you consider the population of New South Wales, 7.5 million, that's barely the cost of distributing a flyer to 6% of the population. The total cap for a political party that endorses candidates in all 93 electoral districts at a general election is $11,429,000, which is a gross distortion of democracy. The politicians think that only their voice counts. We can't allow that to happen. A cap will drastically affect our ability to continue to communicate our issues such as safe staffing ratios to the public from the position of the workers inside New South Wales health facilities, especially in relation on how the public will use their vote. It's also unclear how a uh, a court will interpret a definition of issues-based campaigning versus political campaigning. Our campaign for ratios suddenly becomes vulnerable to increased fines and penalties if we mention an election, a vote, a candidate or a political party, if we step one cent over that 500,000 cap. And of course, we're not allowed to talk about campaigns with any other third party campaigner. That's called collusion. And I can go to jail for 10 years for that. This state is in a sorry space. The association campaigns year round. However, we know that for some politicians, it's only when they fear the loss of their job that they really start to care and listen. Which is why during the lead up to the elections, it's such a significant time for us to get our message out there. We will continue to campaign for patient safety and the rights of nurses and midwives. But there's no doubt these laws are aimed at silencing the collective voices of workers like nurses and midwives in that period six months before a state election. We don't intend to be silenced and are fighting this attack on democracy in the High Court. We must change those rules. We will join with the unions, New South Wales and other unions again at the High Court to seek democracy here in New South Wales. Delegates, they can't silence your personal voice or the voice of anyone who volunteers your time to campaign in your community. That is why it's so important that we expand our branch and member leader capacity to speak up for your patients, residents, clients and yourselves. Delegates, don't get me wrong, we will campaign publicly using every last cent available to us under the law as it stands. Hopefully, we'll get the High Court to change that law. Aged care delegates, we've talked about it. It's no secret that the sector has a substantial staffing crisis. Extensive inquiries and reviews over the past decade have not delivered any significant results. We know the root of the problem is in staffing and resources. Aged care residents receive one and a half hours less care than they should, every day. Yet there are no rules to ensure the $2.17 billion in government subsidies is spent directly on their care. The urgent problem that needs to be addressed is not funding, but the declining quality of care from chronic understaffing. There is no point increasing funding without adequate measures to ensure that money is tied to care. To add insult to injury, a report into tax avoidance by the for-profit aged care companies found the six largest for-profit companies were given over $2.17 billion in government funding, yet reported profits of only $224 million. Some paid no tax at all. The recent Senate inquiry into tax practices saw provider after provider attacking the report and refusing to acknowledge clear examples Of questionable tax practices. Bupa for example is under ATO investigation for offshore debt payments and shifted over half a billion in profits to its UK parent company in 2016. Yet they continue to insist despite additional investigations into the company's tax affairs by the European Commission and the Spanish government that it does not use any tax avoidance or aggressive tax minimisation strategies. These providers have the financial capacity to employ more nurses and carers, but are placing their profits, and in the case of the for-profit area, shareholders before safe care for their residents by using available loopholes to avoid paying their fair share of tax. Ratios will help deliver a sustainable staffing methodology that considers both staffing levels and skill mix for residential aged care across the country. Without a mandatory minimum staffing level in aged care, employers can simply choose not to employ enough staff or cut nursing and care hours. The federal government, opposition, and all other federal politicians must stop ignoring the staffing crisis in aged care by making ratios in aged care law now. Delegates, our public health system ratios campaign goes on. But on 27 June, on the recommendation of your council, a majority of public health system branches voted yes to accept the pay offer and to continue the campaign in the community for safe ratios as a matter of life or death. We believe the hard-working nurses and midwives deserve the pay increase for the care you provide to patients every day. and We also don't believe that you should have to pay for extra nurses out of your own pocket. I also want to acknowledge the 19 branches that expressed their anger at the Government's refusal to negotiate on our full award claim by voting to reject the pay offer. I commend your commitment to the claim and preparedness to sacrifice your wage increase. As a proudly democratic union, I embrace the robustness of this debate and the outcome of the vote puts the Government on notice. Nurses and midwives are ready to fight for their patients and demand safe staffing levels. And fight we must. Delegates, are you ready to fight? I can't hear you. Again, louder? Yes! Are you ready to fight? Yes! That's more like it. We need to unite and stand together to fight for safe patient care. We must raise community and politicians' awareness about how better ratios can stop the understaffing and risks to patient safety. We must continue to safeguard our professional registration and patient care obligations by determining on each shift whether our employer has provided enough nurses and midwives with the right skills. Some branches are already out there campaigning and raising awareness. Blacktown, Goulburn, Lismore, Shell Harbour and Orange, just to name a few, have already recently participated in activities around the importance of ratios. We must continue to enforce our current award and highlight to patients in New South Wales that this government has been rotting the system for far too long. We've uncovered more than 40,000 hours of missed clinical nursing care as a result of manipulation of the award to save costs. At Hornsby Mental Health Intensive Care Unit, nurses were assaulted due to chronic understaffing, yet beds were forced open and staff advised to push on. It's unacceptable behavior. We know that ratio saves lives, not only patients, but ours as well. Our state budget is in surplus, yet all this Government can focus on is building more highways and stadiums, which they can then sell to the private corporations. We surveyed our members and 2,500 public sector nurses responded, saying that 7 in 10 said they'd seriously thought about leaving the profession, with Almost all citing workloads and inadequate staffing levels as the cause. How could this government let it get that bad that 70% are considering giving up nursing or midwifery? Think of what that means for the new grads coming into this stressful environment and being pushed into covering vacancies that are clearly above their level of expertise. We know this is a serious issue that is affecting our workplaces now and into the future. The Victorian Labor Government has just committed to introducing ratios into new areas and a staged removal of the 50% rule. This would see rounding up of numbers where actual ratios can't be prescribed. The Victorian Government, during their term, has phased in increased numbers of nurses and continued to improve a system which operates on a shift by shift ratio system. That is exactly what we need here in New South Wales. But it's not just in our public and aged care sector where we need ratios. Our private hospital members are crying out for ratios as well. We know our Ramsey members have been campaigning hard to achieve ratios in their EBA. Healthy Care members also campaign for safe ratios. And our advertising in local newspapers of unsafe staffing received a very quick and vicious response from the Healthy Care lawyers threatening to derail all negotiations using the unfair laws of the Fair Work Act. And then they said they'd sue us for unspecified damages as a result of our campaigning. Delegates telling the truth to the public about private corporations is called illegal coercion if you do it while you're bargaining. That's why we need to change the rules. I'd like to take this opportunity to congratulate the Macquarie University private hospital for agreeing to an EBA, which includes a nurse to patient ratio. That means that's the second private employer uh, behind Lighthouse that has ever agreed to ratios in this state. So congratulations to uh, all of those branch officials, delegates from Macquarie University Hospital uh, for getting that across the line. And that will will go to a vote very shortly, but we're guaranteed that the uh, Macquarie University Hospital won't be backing out. That'll give us an opportunity to talk about that more in the future. And of course, if they can do it, then we throw down the gauntlet and challenge Ramsey, Healthscope, Healthy Care, to sign on to this as well. There's no reason they can't except for their sole purpose of putting profits before patients. Delegates, this is our time for improved ratios across our sectors this year. And with a state and federal election imminent, we have an opportunity to elevate our issues to the decision makers and let them know it's time.